Prepare yourself to be blown away by the seismic sounds and scrutiny of... After Shots Podcast with Chris Aiken and Matt Hartnett. Cool, man. All right. Well, here we go. Uh, Aftershocks number 25 and joining me and Chris on the podcast today, we've got the vocalist from Queens, New York, hardcore metal kingpin, Sworn Enemy, who in 2019 released their sixth LP titled Game Changer on M-Theory Audio. <laughs> Mr. Sal Lococo. Sal, man, what's going on? How you uh, how you been doing through this uh, pandemic madness going on? It's been kind of boring, man, sitting around at home. <laughs> I mean, I've only just recently gone back to work two weeks ago so okay it's been it's been a long time of sitting home a lot of um playstation 4 and netflix yeah <laughs> i hear that's you about, man that's about all that really was to do you know i know man totally man well shit let's talk uh you know about uh the band man 2019 was uh a pretty busy year for you guys uh, a good one at that obviously you know you put yeah, out uh, yeah you put out your first record in what five years game changer Yes. Um, I came out last year in April, and it was produced by uh, none other than uh, Machine Head Mastermind, that Rob Flynn. Oh, yeah. Which is good, awesome, Good man. stuff. Yeah, yeah. That, was a, that was a good time, man. That was fun being in the studio with him. Yeah, we, I'm sure you, you guys probably know him from obviously, you know, playing with those guys back a while ago. And when you guys well, were I, that, right? I, I don't think any of us knew him personally except for Pooch, the ba- uh, my bass okay. player. I think he's the only one that knew him personally. But, okay. you know, we all became kind of tight in, in, during the recording so it was cool oh nice man awesome and you guys also uh you toured europe right you did a, i know i saw you did a bunch of dates uh in the u.s you did like a little run out here with sacred reich yeah that was uh, fun man yeah nice and great, uh, great dudes sacred Reich, yeah man i love those guys great band too and so yeah and then of course game changer man that's another you know quintessential like sworn enemy release i mean the quality and production really are, you know, top notch in that record, man. And uh, you know, now you're on M Theory too, right? So you've been reunited with uh, Marco Barbieri there from Century Media. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You, right, you worked with him years ago, obviously too. And uh, yes, cool, man. So I mean, so kind of walk us through how like the, the stars sort of aligned for you know, in order for you guys to have this pretty awesome, uh, great team behind you uh, on this release. Well, I mean, meeting up with Marco was just all through our manager, Dimitri. So he's the one that set it up and he's like, you know, this guy really is uh, into it. He wants you guys. And, you know, like, like you said, he was at Century Media. So he knew a little history about the band. He knew what we were about and he liked the sound and, you know, plus it doesn't hurt when you already have a record done and you give it to a record label and they don't put out a dime for it. So that kind of helps. True. You know, any any record label would want to have some finished product like that. So, you know, we wound up doing it all. We paid for it all ourselves. We we flew out to California. We, you know, we took care of the hotel rooms, the rent the car. We took care of, you know, the studio. We took care of the engineer. We took care of Rob. We, you know, everything came out of our pocket. So uh-huh. tell me a record label that wouldn't want that. True. Good point. No, absolutely. Good point. You know? No. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, when I listened to the record, man, too, it was, um, you know, I was just saying it has that quintessential, you know, sworn enemy sound. You know, obviously, it's got that New York hardcore bass with all the thrash and metal elements uh, that surround it, which is kind of, you know, you guys' signature sound over the years. And, uh, right. 
I mean, that album really could have like easily been written and played back, you know, when you know in the mid two thousands or stuff. It has a similar sound, and uh, I know you guys have had so you know the band now. You've had a new lineup for a while now, but it's pretty stable. It looks like. Um, how, yeah. How, how, how like challenging and kind of difficult is that to like, especially as a singer and the last original you know member of the band? How difficult is that to kind of still maintain that sound when you have a bunch of different band members? Well, you have to make sure that they run through the uh, the catalog and le and learn the sound. I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. most well, everyone in the band now kind of was already into Sworn Enemy, so they kind of knew what the sound was coming in. And you know, me also being there, being like, well, it has to sound like this, uh -huh. or else it's not going to work. Uh -huh. So you know. Everybody kind of figured it out on Game Changer. You know, Living on Borrowed Time was, you know, when we put that out, we would just really, we didn't really play much with new stuff. We would just basically, you know, out on the road touring and just getting to know each other. So mm -hmm. when it was time to put Living on Borrowed Time together, we were still kind of like not in tune with each other when it came to writing. But, okay. you know, 2019 we, me jeff matt pooch being together for like eight nine years now mm -hmm. and you know taekwon being there since 2016 so it, it really and he's just an amazing drummer by the way and um mm -hmm. it really we came together as a unit and spending all the time that we did in california writing this it kind of it kind of helped and and you know rob didn't rob didn't hurt either being there telling us that we we sucked all the time <laughs> lighting a fire under our ass and making uh, us work harder and and be better mm -hmm. no hell yeah yeah i i'm gonna disagree with matt and maybe with you as well slightly on this i i actually thought the game changer stepped back sound wise into a more hardcore bass sound i might and again it's just one person listening but i thought the time that you guys had from about i don't know as real as it gets to uh you know to the end of the century media run was almost a little more thrash based than having hardcore and i thought that game changer especially really took it back to the earlier the stillborn years when when yeah. Was involved and really gave it much more of a hardcore vibe. Do do you agree? I, or? I absolutely agree. And you on the, you could see the progression from Ezreal beginning, maniacal, total world. There was definitely a lot, you know. But at the time, you know, we were you're you're a product of your environment. And when we were doing a lot of touring from 2003 to 2009, we were going out more and more and more with thrash and metal bands right like that's that was the basis of our touring we were doing a lot of touring like hardcore for some reason i don't know well i guess there was some stigma about us that hardcore bands just didn't take us out on tour i don't know but um we were playing a lot with metal bands and you kind of like i guess you hear it so much that it it you get influenced by the sound of a lot of the bands you play with sometimes and mm -hmm. It definitely there was a lot more thrashier sound coming out of those uh later century records you know like the maniacal and the total world definitely and yeah. this record game changer record we really 
I mean, in order for Sworn Enemy to keep putting their foot forward and keep go- progressing and going on, I felt that we really had to go back to that sound that made us what we were. Mm-hmm. And we tried to, well, I think we did a pretty good job, but I, at the time we tried, we were trying to write something more along the lines of like uh, a mixture of as real as it gets and beginning of the end. Okay. And, you know, of course, obviously throw in negative outlook stuff as well. But um, I think this is this one. It, it, we really hit it right on with this one. Yeah, well, I think just quickly, I, I think Maniacal was, yeah, the most voracious for sure. That's yeah, my favorite. Was, right? That was definitely my favorite record, I think, by the band. But I, I think when, um, you know, but after that, I noticed the sound started getting more back to the New York hardcore stuff. But I really think that was, and then I think, you know, obviously the last two records continued that as well. But yeah, go ahead, Chris. Sorry, well, now, the thing I, I was curious about, and this is mostly the, the three records that you did in the Century Media time, I, I actually love. I, Maniacal and, and Total World Domination are amazing. And I really mm. personally, again, this is a fan, but it's also somebody that was in the business at the time as a journalist. I really felt like Century Media kind of dropped the ball with you guys, not purposely, but because it was almost the way Century Media worked, where it was like an assembly line of of music. I mean, I used to get these big, thick packs sent to me with 10 promos a day or, or a week. And, and you're 100% correct on that. I used to get those as well, and we would hear from our A&R guy at Century how every day they were signing like 20, 30 different wannabes of like the bands that were big at the time like you know okay so let's say say for instance what was it 2005 okay 2006 as they lay dying was blowing up they were trying to get every as they lay dying wannabe that they could right. uh, whatever was big at the time they were mm-hmm. bringing in and they really they killed themselves by signing all of these bands that mm-hmm. did nothing they put all this money into these bands records photo shoots whatever and you don't even hear from any of these bands. Right. Like yeah. a year or two later, they were all gone. And we're like, yeah. we're still here, guys. Can you help us out? <laughs> and, it's, yeah. and I have to imagine that it's frustrating for you because, you know, you didn't record in a week. You spend, uh, you know, six months basically or a year writing a record and, and demoing it up and putting it together. And that has to be frustrating to see, well, you're, you're mixed in with, with 10 other records and they're putting all their money into stuck mojo, you know, because right. they got on some wrestling show or some shit, you know, that, that has to drive a, especially a working harder edged band like yours that makes it's, it's whole living off of work that has to drive you nuts. If I didn't have to be so PC, I could explain a lot more, but you know, I don't really want to hurt feelings, but um, let's just say said band uh, headlines tour. We're on the same record label. We are underneath them making some money mm-hmm. and said band makes tons of money, right? Mm-hmm. We would play places crap packed going nuts. Said band goes on after us. Rickets, ten people left. Okay, mm-hmm. thank you. <laughs> cool man. Well, I mean, and speaking of just you know the band, man. You know, one of the things I have noticed is you're definitely determined to not let Sworn Enemy fade into obscurity like a lot of hardcore metal bands do. 
Um, when I look at the bands like History and Timeline, I mean, you start out with those two EPs on on Stillborn, uh, which obviously I must have been such a great spot to start when you're up and coming. Obviously, starting with Jamie Jost on that label is a pretty iconic label for hardcore bands. But then you guys quickly, you catapulted right up to Elektra and you got on OzFest so fast. Um, which well, is I mean, that's, right? that's all thanks to Jamie. I mean, mm-hmm. the dude really... He he seen something in us. He liked what we had. You know, we were hungry, and he did a lot for us in the beginning. Like he basically set us up with his management, no name, and mm-hmm. that's how we got signed to Electra. It's all wow. thanks to him. Yeah, yeah. He uh, and and then like I said, and, and you guys are already right there now. You know, when you're playing an Ozfest, I mean, you're at the top of the mountain. You know, and that happened pretty. I mean, you guys obviously paid your dues in the New York hardcore scene for a while, but. Once you did get, you know, kind of get going, it really happened real fast for you guys. Um, and, of course, you you had a nice, you know, steady ride at, at uh, Century Media there. And, of course, you know, um, I know there was a little rough patch after the, you know, you guys kind of, you know, uh, regrouped. Uh, I know you were crowdfunding, you know, the, that record for a while, Living on Borrowed Time. Uh, but it's really pretty impressive, man, to see that the type of comeback that you had because it's real challenging these days, you know, I mean, to, you know, to stay relevant in, in the music environment right now. Um so I mean, some of those obstacles that you had before total world—I mean, after uh, total total world domination—I mean, were you guys at, at any point ever in jeopardy of fading, or are you always going to keep this going? Uh, well, I really was kind of. Um, I felt like I was on my way out after 2009. You know, uh, J. Rad quit, Lorenzo quit. You know, Sid and Jamin quit the following year, 2010. So it was like. I don't even know if I want to do this anymore. The only thing that saved it was the drummer that we had at the time, Danny LaMagna, on uh, Living on Borrowed Time drummer. Mm-hmm. He w- was um, in a band, Suicide City, with Billy Grazia Day. He played yeah, drums right. for them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, his best friend and their guitar tech was Jeff Cummings. Mm-hmm. So he got Jeff. He recruited Jeff. He recruited Matt. Was he was friends with him from the neighborhood they live they both lived in baldwin so he recruited jeff and matt and you know um he recruited mike pucciarelli and so he basically recruited he did all the work <laughs> he, he did, he, well you know it, it was it's diff, it was difficult because you know 2009 2010 like i said i was at kind of like at the end of my my rope and i didn't really know what was going to happen with the band so i said look if you want to continue doing this you're going to have to step up and do something because I've been stepping up for the last since 1993 and I'm over it kind of in a way, you know, I was burnt out, mm-hmm. you know, dealing with the same guys every day. Uh, and, you know, especially I'm sure you guys have heard stories of this band and, you know, things that, uh, that we've done. So it's, it's a very it was a difficult situation to deal with a lot of the, there's too many characters at the time and mm-hmm. i was so burnt and over it mm-hmm. i said look take the reins find guys you want to play if they're worth stick if they're worth for me sticking around i'll stick around if not mm-hmm. you know we'll call it a day you found these guys I, I, they were very cool when I first met them. You know, they still are very cool. I'm not saying that they're not by any means, but I'm just saying at that time when I met them, I'm like, oh, these guys are really cool. They could play, and they know that, and they already know the songs. So you know, we mm-hmm. stuck it out, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of glad uh, that I did. So 
it worked out worked out in our favor and we're still going yeah no absolutely man and you know like to me the band really i it always feel like to me like you guys i mean even though you're you're a thrash sort of you know metal core kind of band, whatever you want to call it I, I always feel like you guys have that new york hardcore sound in its core you know right. uh, maybe maybe it's because i grew up you know in new york in the scene and everything but um you know uh to me, I think one thing I've noticed is that sometimes, like, you know, Sworn Enemy, the name, I think you kind of alluded to it before a little bit. It gets left out of the conversation when you're talking about great classic New York hardcore bands, you know? Always. Um, yeah. And it, it really reminds me a lot of, like, another band that's like that is Biohazard. You know, that's yeah. a band that, I mean, it's funny because, you know, you think no one really mentions them in, you know, when you talk about New York hardcore, very rarely. And they, I think they, they were like the real game changers. Absolutely. They totally were. For me, it was. That was the band. And um, you know, to me, me three. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I when that first Maze record dropped, I was like, mm -hmm. "Look, I just got goosebumps thinking about it." <laughs> like that was yeah. the the greatest for me. It was they were something unreal, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I mean those shows were. I, I mean, those were like dangerous shows. Those biohazard shows. <laughs> oh, yes, they were. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they were. That was a no joke. So, I mean, do you think a lot of that has to do with the fact that, for one, you guys did sort of like what Biohazard did for the two things? Obviously, you got signed to a major, and you also uh, progressed to a more metal sound. Which and you know how it is, man. In New York, you know the hardcore scene. It's so DIY, and it seems like once you venture outside that hardcore bubble people start to kind of tune you out and it's like, well, now you're not really sort of part of us in a way, you know I mean? Wh wh why do you think that you guys get, you know, don't get mentioned enough? I, I don't really get it. I don't really know. I mean, yeah. I guess it's the cool kids that were on social media at the time didn't find us cool anymore. But <laughs> as, when As Real As It Gets came out, we could do no wrong, you mm -hmm. know? Like yeah. when, we were torn, when we were torn off of that record, I mean, it, it was obviously a different time and a lot more people were coming to shows, mm -hmm. but when we did, when we did begin in the end, which before Game Changer, that was my favorite record. I always thought the beginning and the end was like Sworn Enemies, Rain and Blood. I thought that that was, and I thought that I seriously had like delusions in my head that I thought that this record was going to be the be all end all for us. Like, I, and mm. I mean, we were getting like feedback, like sellouts. Like, yeah, no, off, of, off of beginning beginning of the end, you seriously calling us mm -hmm. sellouts? Meanwhile, the fucking band got we got heavier, we got harder. How can we be a sellout? Sellout mm -hmm. means we're gonna turn into like some pop punk or some yeah. uh, something that's commercial on the radio. You're a hundred percent right, man. It is, yeah, but you know, and I've talked to a million bands about this. The one thing that never seems to work the the great bands always do not always have talent the great successful bands do not always have talent right and the bands that for whatever reason don't have or have a lot of talent just somewhere along the line just miss out on straight luck it really is a crapshoot when you look at it as you know all the stars have to align you know a band like a biohazard they just happen to sign a major at the time that headbangers ball was huge and they had just the right look and Evan had just the right amount of charisma to put him on TV as well as the sound. Okay. It was just every, every successful band you will ever point to is 
perfect stormish. And it's funny, we're talking about biohazard, and we could talk about the guy that I'm pretty sure you know pretty well, Jamie Josta. Of you course. know, that guy, that guy should be on the Mount Rushmore of hardcore, as far as yeah. I'm he's every bit as important as a no Merritt or um, you know, Chromags or whoever you want to put. He's well, if you look at it, he helped save the career of a lot of these bands. Well, that, were on, that were on the brink of extinction. He yeah. put a lot of bands on and helped bring them back. Yeah, and, and still, and is still one of those guys. He's he's like that one guy that didn't forget his roots, even though his band yeah. is pretty goddamn big. You yeah. know, I mean, he still is working with with bands, and still, you know, even when he was doing Headbangers Ball, he was always sneaking the whatever he could. You know, and he, he, he's, he's a good dude, man. I, I, I know him personally and I like him a ton. He's great. Yeah. He's definitely a good dude. I mean, I never have any ill words to say towards that guy at all. And, and everything I do tell people about him is always positive and great because without him, so we're not, have, we're not, we're not the band that people see right now. So, you know, mm -hmm. he really had a lot to do with us growing. He helped us big time. No question, man. So, so dude, um, obviously the pandemic really fucks a band, especially a band that puts out a release in 2019. Cause it really kills this year. Right. What, what does sworn enemy do now? I mean, are you guys kind of keeping in contact and writing or are you just waiting it out and seeing or, or what, what, what are the, the thoughts? I mean, realistically the way things look right now, it doesn't, I mean, people could say that they're going to, tour and but it's not going to happen look at it's spiking again you know mm -hmm. nothing is going to be able to happen until they actually have some concrete vaccine that the fear of possibly getting covid and dying is out of your mind you know you can't how 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 is a band like let's say uh you know five finger death punch supposed to tour they draw what ten thousand people can you have ten thousand people in an arena no they won't allow it. So, I mean, what do you what do you do? How do you you can't you can't really tour? What are you going to tour to? Water capacity places? You're going to have a you know you're going to have an arena that's only what arena is going to open up to water capacity? They can, they're not even they're not even having you know and in sports they're not even having fans in the stands. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it's crazy. It's uh, yeah, and and, people, and don't what, have to, people don't have to do like Facebook live stuff. Just sit in sit in the studio, and you have to pay to you have yeah, to pay yeah. to watch them perform on Facebook. Right, and, and yeah. the unfortunate thing for for a band for Sworn Enemy, but for a band like Sworn Enemy, is you guys can't do what you do, even if if you try and do social distance and chairs and all. You know that's not what you guys do. You guys exactly. do that, that. You know I cannot imagine sitting in the fourteenth row in a chair going. <laughs> After every song, it's, it's it's a very it's very strange if you actually are in that scenario because we were in that scenario one time we were playing with anthrax uh about was it three years ago all right three, three a couple of years back i think it was 2017 and we were in saint charles illinois it was a theater <laughs> we looked at the place when we first got there the floor was open, but there were seats everywhere except for like the little front area. Mm -hmm. So throughout the course of the day, they added all seats and chained them all up in that little mosh pit area. And we're like, wow. oh, there's going to be nowhere to. For 
it was all seats we're like <laughs> oh man yeah <laughs> it's 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 a very tough thing for me to visually see people i mean the people that were there to actually see us they were all standing up and in the front but you know you couldn't do anything there were seats everywhere Right. So it's very, it's very, it's very tough. But it's always, um, it's always nice when you get to play in front of a packed house, even if they're sitting down. I mean, you play with a band like Anthrax, you're playing to a, a pretty good crowd. Sure. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, uh, just I'm going to just get your opinion now. You know, uh, these days on the, on the hardcore metal scene. You know, I'll be honest with you, I really believe that if if Sworn Enemy were were like a newer modern band today, I don't think you guys would be allowed to exist just because of lyrical content you know that was always very aggressive and high testosterone in nature i mean that's the such shit i love you know it's that old school 90s you know beat town type of stuff you know what i mean just right. angry male you know angst stuff um obviously though, that's not so much allowed in today's by today's standards you know it'd probably be considered you know whatever i didn't want to get into it but you know um like i'll just like a, like a song I, you know i still hate you know songs like that with a little comment about you know your sister's backside i mean Shit, right now you you did something like that on a record, man. You'd have like you know you'd be you would not be allowed to play your show. You know, I mean, people would be protesting and doing all that shit outside. You know, it's but quite I mean, possible. You know, even though that's just a, it was a little shits and giggles type of joke in the song, people take shit you know way too literally these days. I mean, what do you think of what you're seeing when you're on tour? I mean, you guys at least are touring with a lot of the more like you know you said a Sacred Reich and you guys play a show XL. You know those. A lot of those crossover bands, uh, you know, from the late '80s and stuff. But I mean, do you think? I mean, I mean, what, what's your what's your take on all that, man? I mean, yeah, like, how do you feel about all that? Well, I mean, it's it's definitely a different scene today. Mm -hmm. It's not what it once was. You know, there when I went to shows back in the day in the city, when I went to go see bands like Marauder, Biohazard, All Out War. There was always that element of fear mm. always you yeah. always had to like you couldn't really stand close to the pit because you were afraid that you know somebody was gonna knock you out or somebody was gonna really mm -hmm. fuck you up bad it's dangerous so, yeah yeah i'm if i go to a show today i'm not scared yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not worried about anything really yeah, yeah. you know totally. it's mm -hmm. if i stay i could stand probably in the middle of the circle and you know i still wouldn't be worried about much mm -hmm. sure. well and, and you know what though and and that entails exactly what has gone wrong with the scene not saying that you, i was never scared but look how big i am of course i was never scared but at the at the same time it, it wasn't necessarily only a fear thing it was a angst thing it was yeah. a, yes let's that's a better that's a better way to put it you know it was a let's unleash this emotion in right. and you know you go to shows now and it's like the first thing somebody's doing is running to security. Hey, he pushed me. It's like, fuck you. That's what I'm supposed to. <laughs> you know? yeah. I hear you, bro. I hear you. Uh, it, yeah. It's definitely changed times. Yeah. yeah. And not for the better. I'll say it. You don't have yeah. to. I'll I mean, there's still, there's still those shows from, you know, when you get bands from like the 90s and oh. during that era that play that there's still a lot of violence. You sure. Know? You know, you get reunion shows of bands coming back and playing and you'll see a craziness in the pit and stuff like that mm -hmm. but if you're talking about the newer bands that come out now that's 
it's not that's not what's i guess it's not important to them that that element of the of the you know that kind of went well they got got more used to watching it on their phone to where they they don't have that um, you know, one-on-one contact. It's not, you know, in my, in my day, I, I hate to be the old guy in the room, but in my mm-hmm. day, you know, you would go to a show, like the only show I'll just use this as an example. The only show I ever got hurt on in any way at was it was uh Pantera biohazard Sepultura. And it makes sense. Look at the bands. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was just crushing. The pit was going crazy. And the and I got and I, I still remember what happened. Sepultura was playing. Somebody jumped on stage. They dove off and just hit me on the very top of my head. So my neck got like jacked, right? You know, and I went straight down. And it's the only time ever. And and I, I was a mosh warrior, and it's the only time I ever got hurt. And I'll be honest, sitting here talking about it right now, still top five show of all time. Because it was I've, just fun, man. It, it was like, okay, I'm hurt. I remember that tour. That was a freaking yeah. When I first seen the adult three bands were getting paired up, I was like, wow, yeah. that's insane. <laughs> Biohazard's <laughs> gonna play with Sepultura and yeah, Pantera. Yeah, I can imagine talk, the amount of violence is gonna be at those arenas. And you talk about all three of them raising their game because of the other guys. You know, of course. I, that was my first time seeing Biohazard, and, the, and all I had ever heard was um, "Tales from the Dark Side." It was like the only song I even knew at the time at the show. And I mean, they came in and they started playing some of the Urban Discipline stuff, which other people knew. And right. it was like, it was like, you know. Well, I'm just, sure as soon as they played like songs like "Punishment" and "Shades of Grey," yeah. the place must have went insane. Yeah. Oh, it was insane! Just, just. But that that's what's missing these days is, you know, is I don't think people, the the younger crowd, and I and I don't like to be that guy, you know, I don't like to say that, but I don't think that the crowd that's coming up today or the younger people understand, especially a scene like the hardcore scene, it was much more than the 12 songs on the CD. You know, I I mean I'll be honest, at least for me, most of the hardcore stuff is interchangeable. Not, you know, that you've got your legendary bands that, you know, are legendary, but a lot of that middle of the middle tier band stuff is pretty interchangeable until you see them. And then you see them, you really develop an appreciation of if they're really a good band or they're not because of the way not only they perform, but the way they interact with the crowd, the way they suck the crowd in. You know, I've seen Sworn Enemy, and and that's that's your forte, my friend, is you bring the crowd into the mix. You know, nobody. Oh, I try anyway. Thank well, you. Well, come on, man. I mean, being real, you've. I don't imagine you've played more than two shows ever in your life where people just sat there, arms folded, waiting for the next band. I just don't see it. Except for the anthrax show. <laughs> well, even well, that. I, yeah. I, even that, they were all bopping their heads. Oh, okay. There you go. I don't, I, I'll be honest. I don't really care if what you do at a show as long as you're having a good time. If I, I personally, if people, if there's 100 people in a, in a show and 50 of them are doing spin kicks and windmills, awesome. If there's 100 people in the show and there's 100 people in the front of the stage banging their heads, awesome. Yeah. If there's, a hundred people in a show and they're all clapping. Awesome. 
as long as they're all having a good time, that's really all I care about anyway. It's, you know, everything else is irrelevant. I just I just want people to enjoy the show. And what I really like is for when people leave and they say, wow, dude, when they talk to their buddies and they say, dude, you missed a great fucking show because one enemy kicked ass. Exactly. That's what I that, that I care more about that. The people that aren't at the show can't really care about them. They're not there. But I can care about the 100 people or 50 people or even 10 people. We here's, here's the kind of band that we are, okay? So we're in Indianapolis. We're, this is I forget which year this was. I think this was like 2014 or 2015. And we're on tour across the states. We're playing a show in Indianapolis. We get to the club, and there's nobody there, the, only the, the club owner. And he's like, yeah, we heard nothing about this show. And um, we told him who the promoter was. He's like, well, that makes sense. We can go right now to his house. We all kick the fuck out of him because he's a piece of shit, junkie <laughs> motherfucker. And he probably fucked you guys and didn't mention two words about the show going on. Or if you guys want, you know, I'll open the doors. We were actually going to leave till three cars pulled up and about 14 people pulled out of those three cars and were there to see us play. Mm. So we're like, oh, man, what are we going to do? Nobody knows the show's going on. And the night before, he had a hell yeah show sold out the room now mind you the room is a thousand capacity room mm -hmm. the show was sold out for hell yeah he's like if we would have known we would have given out flyers we could even given out free tickets to people to come just to see you guys tomorrow you know sure. today mm -hmm. so we decided you know what 14 people are here let's just play what we did was we played 17 song set list that night and i gave a shout out to each person in the room you know, those people were so appreciative that we played that for 14 people, we did $545 worth of merch. Wow. Wow. Damn. And, and I guarantee you every single one of them has bought everything since. Since, yeah. Uh, uh, since. And those people, when we still see them, they still come back and say, thank you for playing that show. You know, because yeah. that's, that's the kind of band that we are. You know, sure. and I'm sure that there's a ton of bands that would have just bounced and oh, not even yeah. worried about anything. But... This, this is the things that people don't know about Swan Enemy. This is the kind of band that we are. We stayed there. We played for 14 people. You know, how many people actually would go online, talk with you guys, and, and, and say that, they oh, yeah, they played a show for 14 people. Nobody wants to admit that they played for 14 mm -hmm. people. Right. I, I'm not like that. I don't, I don't care. I, I don't tell. I don't lie when I, people ask me, how was the show? I tell them, yo, it sucked. Yo, it was great. Mm -hmm. Those 14 people were so into it. They, they spent... $545 worth yeah. of merch. Each person there bought everything we had. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. Well, yeah, dude, Game Changer is the album right now that people can get. Um, why don't we do this, man? We always wrap the interviews up with uh, picking a song from the um, album. Maybe tell us a quick story about it, and then we'll play it for we'll play a piece of it for them to hear it. So what, sure. what would you like us to share with them, and maybe tell us a quick story about it? Why, why don't you pick? I'll let you guys <laughs> pick. From Game Changer? From Game Changer? Sure. Prepare for Payback. I would pick Prepare for Payback. I think it's a great... Prepare for Payback. Yeah. See, now, I mean, that's a difficult one to actually... Because I didn't write I didn't write the lyrics. <laughs> so, <laughs> See, you got to pick then. <laughs> so I got to pick? Yeah. Oh, boy. I don't even remember the songs on the record. <laughs> <laughs> just, just pick one that you wrote lyrics for. 
How about I'm, I got to look up all the songs first? How about that? Let's <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Prepare for payback, Seeds of Hate Coming Undone, Justified, DOA, Family of Broken Life, All of Modern Man, Selling a Dream. Oh, here's, all right, here's a funny topic. All right. So not many people in hardcore bands, and I'm not saying that we're a religious band by any means, but not many people in hardcore bands, you know, right sort of in that vein, you know, like mm -hmm. religious topics and shit. Yeah. So that was basically what the fall of modern man was about. Like if you read those lyrics, you'll see that, you know, there's a lot of references to like, uh, you know, demons and Satan and shit like that. But mm -hmm. basically what I was writing about was the demons within ourselves and we need to better ourselves and, um, you know, if you look at the world around us, how fucked up shit is, and we create our own hell, right? So basically, I that's I wrote that song, and there's a lot of underlying meanings that I put in there, and I like to do that. I like to make people think when they read my lyrics, you know, and it's it's kind of fun. It's like I was always good at English classes. Probably one of the only classes I was good because I sucked at math. So I was always <laughs> I was always a good writer, you know, and. Doing stories was my thing, and that's sure. why I guess I guess that's why I kind of ventured towards because I really when I first started I really didn't like singing. Really? I, I was I was a drummer in you know junior high school. I was a drummer yeah. for the band. Well, I think one of the, the things about your voice too is you, is you can hear like every lyric that you sing. It's not like oh what was that? Well, I couldn't hear that. I got to go look it up. You can usually like make out the lyrics without having to look up the actual lyrics just from you you because you it's so heavy, it's so loud. But you could still make out every lyric, which I think that's kind of unique. That's hard to do. That's know? what I was always very proud of, that I could still remain. Well, I don't know if you want to call my voice hard because it's not because I got really more of a higher pitch. Higher pitch, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I always had like uh, that that rasp, high mm -hmm. pitch growl that you could still comprehend. You could still understand words that yeah. I say because I always wanted that not to be a problem like you know there's a lot of bands out there when somebody's screaming it's like and in me even being around the music for so long and and, and knowing what people are saying i still like what the fuck did he say yeah. <laughs> you know no you're so so right man well let's let's let people get a taste of it off of game changer it is the fall of modern man it is sworn enemy right here on aftershocks yeah Thanks for listening to Aftershocks. For more episodes, go to our website at www.aftershockspodcast.com. Visit us on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for more news and information on the podcast. And be sure to subscribe, listen to, and review all episodes on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other podcast platforms. For your music listening pleasure, visit our website or go to www.shockwavesradio.com for all comments and questions Please email us at info at aftershockspodcast.com.